kebab. Yeah, ish. How about if I don't do this? That might be better. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I feel like I could probably just talk loud. I oh, know I'd probably need a mic even if we weren't recording, right? But it's good to be together. It's a good group. Have you looked around? Just look around at the other people here. This is a great group. Really, I think a lot, many of you know one another, and for others, you know, they're, they're new faces. And uh, I often uh, wish that I could press a button and allow everyone to have the same experiences with people that I've had. And, you know, so you could, uh, the whole congregation could kind of know one another that well. I, this is a great church family. It really is. God has blessed us. This is good. Um, so I, I just have a little a kind of refresher today. It, this is more in the vein of just sharing kind of what's going on in, in my mind, kind of where the, the leadership uh, edge is these days and, and what we're thinking about. And of course, all of us here know that the strat-out process has been uh, moving forward, and uh, that, that has been really good. Our, our team has moved through this, and I think there's some on the team. I think I think our team's tired. I think our team's probably ready to be done <laughs> with our with our work, and uh, and rightly so. Uh, it's it's been a process. And the the latest conversation of that team, um, if you've been tracking with leadership communities, has been just what what's the crystal clear vision uh, that we're going after. We, I think we know in general who we are as a congregation, and there are some things that we will always do like. Of course, we will always have a Sunday worship service, and we'll always have children's ministry and student ministry and all, all of those things. But if, if we were to go after kind of a, a primary focus, a primary vision as a body, what would that be? Not meaning that we wouldn't do other things too, but what, what would that primary vision be? So our team has been talking about this. And at our last meeting, we tried uh, uh, we kind of a, 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 an exercise that, uh, tries to help a church move in that direction, articulating even more clearly what, what you feel like your vision is, uh, what you're receiving from the Lord, and how you might articulate that. And um, I think it's safe to say it was kind of a frustrating exercise for our team. We, we were, uh, and looking back on it, uh, we haven't processed as a team after this, but looking back on it, it felt like we were kind of trying to be wedged into a box a little bit, weren't feeling totally comfortable. And then further reflection on it for me and kind of debriefing with members of the StratOp team individually, uh, not all of them, but a, a bunch of them, um, they m most said, you know, we kind of felt like we already had a pretty clear vision. Uh, disciples making disciples. And that, that really got me thinking about things. And uh, most of you in this room, I, I, I never want to presume knowledge, but um, most of you in this room, I think, know that we've been uh, kind of walking in partnership with an organization called 3DM, Three Dimensional Ministries. And they're uh, a national organization uh, birthed out of a, 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 what, what emerged at a church in the UK as a reproducing discipling movement. And this has been really good. We actually hosted the spring community of practice for our uh, kind of central Midwest region here at Fifth last Monday and Tuesday. So actually right here in this room, there were about four, 50 people. Uh, from six different churches, uh, many of them reformed churches actually, who are really are really trying to go after this this key thing of how can we as churches grow 
in the area of disciples making disciples. So I, I shared a little devo there at that, uh, at that community of practice, and I realized that the ideas that I shared really were kind of flowing out of my heart for what, what my vision would be for the church. And, and it comes from kind of the thing we've already identified, which is uh, the Great Commission, right? Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Of course, we know this. And um, I, think, I think I've shared before, too, gr- growing up at, uh, on an Air Force base or near an Air Force base, right, Patterson, uh, in, a, in a kind of military culture, you pick up on stuff. And there's a, there's a doctrine in the U.S. military called commander's intent. And it, just from the name of it, you can probably figure out what it, it intends. If a commander leaves a mission to the troops, that mission stands until a commander of equal or, great or greater authority comes and uh, recasts the mission, right? So a commander or a command group. An example would be, uh, you know, the joint command group that uh, during World War II said, hey, we are going to retake Europe, and we are going to do that by launching what will likely be the largest amphibious invasion the world will ever know. So a commander's intent always includes what we're going to do and at least a broad sketch of how we're going to do it. So it always has a what and a how. And it stands until a commander of equal or greater authority comes. So, of course, we have this. I mean, Jesus, the only king and head of the church, the commander, right, has given us his intent, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, now, that doesn't just mean uh, do some evangelism in every country so we get at least a few Christians from every country uh, to, to hear and, and maybe uh, uh, surrender to, to the Lord and, and the gospel. What it means is make disciples of all nations. The phrase all nations in the original language literally means all people everywhere. So the instruction is, to, is for the church to go and make disciples of everyone everywhere. So the last of the however millions of people live in the largest city of the world and the person who's living in the furthest backwater place on earth, like everybody, that, that's, the, that's the command. So uh, that's it. if we're looking at commander's intent, that's the what. And the how is disciples making disciples. The instruction he left to those first disciples was you go and, and make disciples. And, and that commission has carried down to every disciple thereafter, right? The, 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 the personal mission given to every follower of Jesus, go and make disciples, right? So I had, uh, I had a moment in, in my ministry where I kind of went, oh, no. Um, and, and it was related to this. Uh, Meriwether Lewis had his oh no moment on, 18, on August 12th, 1805. So you know Lewis and Clark, uh, President Jefferson had commissioned them to go out and find the transcontinental waterway that flowed east to west because everyone was absolutely certain that there was one. It was assumed that there was a river that ran from the Atlantic to the Pacific. So he commissioned Lewis and Clark uh, to go do that, surveyors uh, by training, but also expert river guides. For who better to find the transcontinental waterway than expert river guides and surveyors? And it was on 1805, 
uh, I'm sorry, August 12, 1805, that Lewis wrote in his journal something like this. I didn't memorize it exactly, but he wrote something like, and then we ascended the ridge from which I saw to the west immense mountains of great height, most of which were covered on their tops in snow. Oh, no. <laughs> there it is. They, they, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, a river does not go through it. <laughs> a river does not run through this country, at least that direction. Um, so everybody was absolutely certain there was this transcontinental river east-west, right? And they, they sought, uh, they went out on a journey to discover that, but instead they, d they discovered the continental divide. And what Lewis and Clark realized was that the, the skills upon which they relied to get them there would not be the skills needed to get them to where they were going. They were river guides, not mountaineers. That wasn't their thing. But to accomplish the mission of surveying the land and making it to the opposite ocean, they would need to develop new skills. Uh, so my moment uh, came my oh no moment, right, came when I, I was the pastor of this church, actually a couple years in, I think. And we were talking about that original kind of, uh, I don't know if we called it a mission statement, purpose statement, I don't even know if we labeled it, but growing disciples who make disciples. You know this, it's on everything that we put together. And when we kicked that around and finally landed on it, I really did have a moment uh, where I said, oh no. Like, I don't know how to do that, really. And it, it, it felt to me in that moment like both my experience in the church since coming to Christ as a senior in college and my training as a pastor, for which I'm very thankful, all equipped me to be a wonderful river guide. But there's a, there's a completely different task at hand. Right, the, the skills required to get to where we want to go probably are different than the skills that got us to where we are. And we all know that we are always in our lives and, and any organization of which we're a part of, we're perfectly organized to accomplish exactly what we're presently accomplishing. And if you want to accomplish something different, you need to think about how you'll reorganize around that. So in my heart and mind has been, has been this, how, how does a local church, and, and what does it really look like, to reorganize around this mission that Jesus gave us, this commander's intent. And not just the what, right? Because everybody's in agreement on the what. Yeah, we want to disciple all the, everybody everywhere. That's the call, we agree. This, this church has long, long supported uh, people going out into the world. We presently support uh, people out in the world, uh, expanding the kingdom, presenting the gospel. Uh, we believe that everybody everywhere needs to know Jesus, come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. So there doesn't seem to be much um, disagreement on the what, but the how, the how. I just have in my heart that we've all been trained to be river guides, right? And, and, and if, 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 we, if we as a group of people, I mean, again, look around. This is the committed core of the body. We, we love the Lord. We want to see Jesus lifted up in the world. And we're, we're in, right? We're in. We've given our lives to this. We would, we would have it no other way. That We've sacrificed, and, and we, we want to do this. 
and if we were to break down how many folks, those of us in this room, have very intentionally discipled, you know, what kind of grade would we give ourselves on that? That's hard, right? So it seems like the church has the what, but the how, the disciples making disciples part, we haven't equipped for that. And I know this is nothing new. And I know you might be thinking, John, you've said this a hundred times already. Or maybe you're not thinking that. I don't know. But I, 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 I think this is the thing. You know, what, what does it look like for not just the other people in the body, but us in, in this room? What would it look like for us to grow in our capacity to disciple others and to become more intentional in that, uh, to focus on developing skills around that? Uh, all with an immense covering of grace. You know, no, there's no condemnation here. There's no, hey, you should be here. Why aren't you there? You know, it's just, hey, we're here now. How do we take the next step forward? What does that look like? Um, because I, the, the picture in my mind, back to the commanders that decided on D-Day, right? Hey, we're going to retake Europe, eventually conquer Germany, and the way we're going to do that is through this mass amphibious assault the, uh, you know, in, into Normandy, into the uh, uh, western coast of France. Uh, it, sometimes I feel like uh, the, the church's response to the commission of Jesus would be like folks organizing for D-Day and saying, well, hey, you know, Aunt Sue has a rowboat and Uncle Charlie has a Cessna. Maybe, maybe they'll, those will get us across the, the channel. It, the, the, the how just seems so thoroughly inadequate for the what, which is the discipling of everyone everywhere. And it seems like Jesus has given us the only strategy suitable to that task, which is every disciple together and in clumps, in groups, in, in, um, in kind of families on mission, not blood relatives, but that's what an oikos was in the ancient world, a household, you know, banding together and intentionally reaching out at, at that kind of level. Um, I, I, even, I even find myself processing uh, the, the church multiplication strategy because it's great and we want to be about planting churches. It's a wonderful thing, right? That, that is absolutely fantastic. Um, and new churches reach new people, no doubt about it. But, again, going back to what Jesus said, I wonder if that should, should be our plan A. I think it's one of the plans, but it seems like it's a plan B, right? It seems like it seems like if we have disciples making disciples, we will always get the church. Churches will naturally grow. And if we, if we just plant churches, we might not be creating additional communities of Christ that are empowered to actually go and disciple other people. Does that kind of make sense? In, in, in that sense, I kind of find myself wondering, you know, sometimes the, the, the Eastern perspective, meaning the Far Eastern perspective of our world uh, in that, uh, you know, our corporations in the U.S. tend to think, you know, five-year plan, 10-year plan, maybe a 20-year plan, where if you go and talk to, talk to Honda, the leaders of Honda, they have a 500-year plan. Literally, they have a 500-year plan. And I wonder if we in the church uh, even think that way. Like, what, what of the plans that we're considering now make for a really good five-year plan. But stretched out over 500 years, make for a horrific 500-year plan. 
right? Because strategically, it won't get us there. And I think Jesus has given us the thing. It, it's disciples making disciples and, and moving that forward. So, again, I know that's not new, um, but that's, I feel us moving that way. I don't know exactly what that means, um, I, but we're going to kind of tease that out. I think what it could mean is we would become more focused maybe in our programming for adults. What are the, what are the barriers to discipleship? Because we all have we all have stuff, we, hurts we need to work through, so maybe there, there's some programming called emotionally healthy discipleship. kind of grapples with our own brokenness. How do we move through the things that might be hindering us? Um, we certainly need to talk more actively about how we share our faith and come up with a, a tool or two in the belt that we can use when, when that comes up and, and equipping and training around that. We have some models with smaller groups gathering together uh, to, to disciple uh, one another more intensely. Uh, I mean, seeing those multiply. Uh, ultimately, the purpose is to reorganize even our lives and the lives of our families around mission. So that means just banding together with uh, not just our nuclear family, but people who are close to us in the church and, and thinking about how we might start looking out and being intentional in that. I know this is a pretty big stretch right now, and, um, but there are people who are thinking about this and, and refer to those kinds of communities as missional communities in that they're, they're a group of Christians that are intentionally praying for a people to whom they feel called be it the folks in your neighborhood or, you know, the, the friends uh, at your kid's school or uh, the, the folks at, the, at MVP with whom you work out. I mean, wh whatever it might be, right? Um, but so it's, so it's disciples making disciples, the what, discipling everybody everywhere, the how, disciples making disciples. When that gets internalized at the, at the local congregational level, it becomes organizing around mission, that mission uh, and that strategy and what does that really look like for us? So that's the thought for the night. Um, <clears throat> and and I, I'm always open to talking more about that. But I just wanted to kind of plant that in you again. I know some of that's not new. Uh, but plant that in you again as uh, ultimately, well, just be, uh, it's ultimately where I would love to see his head more intentionally. You know, what does that look like? What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for us? And how could we be, be more purposeful in that direction? So I think that one of the great challenges in the North American church is that that's not happening. There's good stuff happening. God, God is doing, and it, the, the Lord will draw people whom the Lord wants. We know that, right? And we, we, we know that God's purposes won't be thwarted. Uh, and as we look around at the church, I don't really see many people even doing this of really investing in disciples making disciples. So it seems like the fundamental strategy that Jesus left us, the only strategy suitable to the task, is not being forwarded with the kind of energetic intent that one would hope. And I wonder what role we might play in helping to change that. So, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. Can I pray for us? And then I think Josh will come and get a skill time. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. And we, we read the, the Great Commission and, and the other instructions of Scripture, the Great Commandment. We know that uh, the Great Commission is, is the, the what you call us to. And, of course, the Great Commandment, loving you with everything we've got and loving other people is, is what we do always. Uh, so, Lord, help us in this. Help us 
Help us grow in you. Uh, help us hear and, and discern exactly how you're leading us. Show us our little piece of what you're doing in the world, uh, in our area and, and state and country and, and, and world. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. We pray in your name. Hey, everybody. Hi. There we go. All right. So part of what we do in leadership community uh, is we uh, hear some of the vision about where the church is going and what's on the horizon. And part of it is it gives us time uh, to practice some skills and some things that are part of the Christian life and faith, um, but don't necessarily, they, they wouldn't make themselves into an easily formatable sermon. Uh, so we try to do things that are concrete, that are interactive, um, and we've done that a couple of different ways over the years that we've been doing this. Um, and we'll keep... Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. I'll keep one. I'll give you the rest. I'll keep two, and I'll give you the rest. Um, and so, so we, we structure these skills around a couple of ideas, and we really structure them on, on purpose, because in order to develop a skill... You need some knowledge. You need a little bit of ideas. You need some, uh, you need some experience. Um, so you need to do some things, and you need some coaching or some feedback. So we try to build skills that are built around those three things. And the skill that we're talking about today, and all these skills, none of these, especially if you've grown up in the church, none of these are necessarily big, radical, you don't leave with magic powers, right? There is nothing that will radically be transformed by these, but they are fundamental, uh, they are bread and butter basics things, and not basic as in simple always, but basic as in fundamental, um, and worthwhile and meaningful. And so what we're going to work through tonight is how to read Scripture in a way that hears God's voice. And, and frankly, honestly, some of you will think, like, I've got this in the bag. I've been doing this for my entire life. I know what I do. I have an advanced degree in this. And for others of you, I know people of all ages and varieties that will say, reading the Bible is hard. I really try. I feel like I open it up. And... Uh, I do the, I, I know people that have told me, like, I do the devotional, like, pick your finger and point it in the Bible variety, where they pick it in and they just start reading wherever it opens, and then they have the unfortunate day where it's, they read about Judas hanging himself in the field, and they go, well, that's not good, we'll pick another one, opens the Bible up, sticks its finger down, and finds the verse that says, go and do likewise. Um, so so the, the point behind this is some of us will be very familiar with this, some of us will not. Um, some of this, this feels as natural as breathing Others of us, it feels entirely foreign. And so what we're going to do, and what I'd like you to do, is I'll, I'll keep us on track. And around your tables, um, I want you to read this out loud, right? Um, actually, yeah, I still want you to read it out loud. Um, and I want, because I want us to process and discuss about what comes up in the midst of that. So we're going to do the first section. It's broken down three parts. So the first one says scripture, and it has some questions. Um, and then... We'll read down to the part, and then we'll read together, however your table wants to, up to the point when it says practice and coaching, and then I'll make you do stuff, right? But we're going to do those as three things. So I'll get on the microphone, and I'll say, all right, do the first part, 
And then I'll say, all right, read the section that it talks about. And then when everybody gets done and then ask some questions, if your table's a fast reader, ask like, what was missing? Cause I can only write down so much stuff or write down like, what did you think? Or what struck you about that? Right? Until I say, all right, everybody, now we're gonna move on to the third section and we'll do those together. So we'll do it in three sections. We'll do reading the scripture and the questions, then we'll read the content and discuss it, and then we'll do the exercise at the end. Does that make sense to everybody? Clear as mud? The first thing is the scripture down through the two questions at the end, right before it says how to read scripture. So stop at the bold lines. The bold underline is no go. Okay? Go team. like waving to people. Hey, if you haven't, let's move on. Wrap up the conversation you are in the first part whenever you feel ready. And uh, we're going to move on to the second one. And in case you want to pace, there's a couple of questions at the end of that, at the top of the third page. Let's say, does this list feel accurate? accurate? What else would you add and why? I would also add a third question there. What struck you or what stands out to you in this list? This is far from comprehensive, but it's an opening point in the conversation. And just so you know, for time-wise on when we're gonna end this and move on to the next one, because we can talk for a while, we're going to do that around 7.20. So that's about 13 minutes to read and discuss this. I was slowing everybody else down. So we were having a good one. So and then all of a sudden people started to look at me and I looked at the time. So I apologize. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to finish up our conversation. The rest of you can go. Um, so let's do let's do let's do the practice part at the end. Right. So what I want us to do is to read that section of Psalm 118 and again. 119 typos. What? Yes. 119. Typos are great. Um, around tables. Because it's a big group to have all of us talk, right? So, so go, through, go through that and do it back on that scripture on the front side again. And then we're going to wrap up and conclude. All right. Hey, everybody. Let's, uh, let's wrap up for the evening. I want to thank you for coming. Uh, thanks for being here. hope this time was good. We try to do things that both give us concrete stuff, have some conversation, um, and tell about where the church is going and all of that. We have one more leadership community that will be at the end of, this is March, right? So it'll be at the end of April. Um, and that will be our last one for the, year, for the academic year. And then we'll take a break for the summer and we'll be back. End of summer will be the next one. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm going to close with a prayer. I do want to invite, so so this is all, this is designed to be something that's pretty light and easy. If you'd be willing to stick around, around and help us clean up some of the food and organize, Randy McConnell helps us coordinate because he knows where things are, and I don't know where all the plates go, and I get out the wrong ones every once in a while, as I did tonight. Um, it was great. Well, yeah, I got the big ones. Greg got the small ones, and I didn't think it would matter. And Randy said, it matters, and I found out why. Um, so if you're willing to stick around for a few minutes and just help us tidy up, many hands make light work, and it's really helpful for all of us. Um, 
So let's, let's close in prayer and we'll, we'll, we'll be done for the night. Heavenly Father, it is good to come together and to seek you, um, to learn about where you are leading us, to hear visions and ideas of where that could be. And we pray that you speak to us as individual believers, as families, as connections, as a church. God, where are you leading? And help us to learn the skills that we need to go to be there and, and help us to learn and grow together with some things that are, are, are fundamental and some things that are new. God, may we be a people who seek after you and encounter you as best we can, and may you be a faithful God who leads us in times of celebration and in times of trial. God, we thank you for your goodness, for your presence, and that you fight for us when we have nothing of worth of fighting for. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.